Welcome to the House Podcast. We want to encourage you wherever you're at today. Reach out or email us at any time, and we hope you enjoy today's message. And the underlying theme for our series is that small steps change the trajectory of our life. And we've, we've heard this illustration before, when you're charting the course to the moon, if you're out just the smallest fraction of a millimeter at the very beginning, by the time you're thousands of miles out into space, you've missed your target. And those small little adjustments, those small little changes can have a great impact in our life and the direction of our life. Small decisions have a big impact. And the spiritual principle of our series is best outlined by Jesus in Luke 16.10 when he says this, if you're faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in larger things. And some of the versions would say, uh, some of the different translations say you'd be entrusted. There's this idea that, that Jesus, if you can look after the small details and the small things, you can be entrusted with more. You can step into more authority, more influence, more capacity, and more blessing, and the, the scope and the scale of your life and your influence can expand. But it starts with the little things. Jesus cares about the small things. Small things matter. Small decisions, small steps shift the momentum of your life. And this is good news for us because each one of us can take some small steps. And my message today is on the power of taking small steps of courage and faith and risk and things along those lines. I was reminded this week of that scene in the Fellowship of the Ring when Sam and Frodo are about to step past the comforts of the Shire. And Sam stops at the edge of the field and he kind of looks around with some hesitation, with some nervousness, and he takes in the surroundings and he looks at where he is and he says to Frodo, this is it. If I take one more step, I'll be the furthest away from home than I've ever been. And with great courage, they step beyond the comforts of everything they've known and they embark on this most amazing adventure. And so often, leaving the comfort zone of everything that we've known leads to something of significance in our life. In 2012, Margaret Dunning entered her beloved 1930 Packard Roadster in a classic car show. And she got interviewed on TV. The producers approached Margaret because she was an elderly lady who was far from fitting the profile of the typical car show enthusiast. And they wanted to know more about her life, more about her story, more about why she was here and what her life was about. And they asked her in the interview if she had any regrets from her life. And she thoughtfully replied, never being able to go to university. Seemed that there was always something that had come up. Her life was busy, something got in the way. Uh, maybe it was world wars, there was different priorities. But the Fram Filter Company is sponsoring the car show. And when the promotion department watched the interview, they were struck by this kind of, uh, maybe a little bit more of this kind of, you know, frail elderly lady who loved her car. 
And so they tracked her down and they decided that they would send her to university, uh, the university of her choice on a full ride scholarship. And so at the age of 102, Margaret was accepted as a mature student to the University of Michigan and enrolled in the business degree program. Margaret had already had a full life. She could just as easily sat in her rocking chair with a cup of tea, looking out the window and living her days knowing that she had had a fulfilled life. She'd had a good life. But instead, she learned how to use an iPad and submit papers on Moodle. She moved through the halls at a much slower pace than everyone else who rushed by her on their way to class and about their day. But she soon became the most loved and admired person on the U of M campus. Margaret never sat alone in the cafeteria. When there was a group project, she was the one that everybody wanted to be in the group with. They all requested to be put with Margaret. She became an inspiration and a role model to students. 85 years her junior, not because she was the coolest, not because she was the trendiest, not because she was the hippest. She became an inspiration and a role model to students that were 85 years her junior because she had the courage to get out of her comfort zone and keep living life to the full. There was something magnificent. There was something amazing about the fact that she would step out and she would do this. There was a vulnerability. There was an adventure. And people were inspired. Her story illustrates the profound impact of taking small steps of courage and risk. And as we continue our series on shifting momentum, I want to look at that idea, that, that concept of taking some steps of faith where God is leading. Matthew 14 reads, this is, a, this is a common passage of scripture. I think it's important for us to read it so that we have some context and we can kind of unpack it a little bit. The scriptures say this, immediately after this, Jesus insisted his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake, which is really the sea. While he went, uh, while he sent the people home, and after sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. And night fell while he was there alone. And meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. And at about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified, and in their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. It is I. And then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. And so Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith. Why do you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, 
The disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. This is a great story that culminates with the disciples getting this revelation of who Jesus is. And this is so often what he would do. He would use signs and wonders and teachings and great things. And all of a sudden, the disciples and the people that are following Jesus are having these aha moments. They're beginning to get a glimpse into who he is, that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, the chosen one. And they take another step towards him and they put more faith in him and their capacity for understanding who Jesus is is growing. And that's what happens in this story. But before Peter gets out of the boat, the disciples are terrified of Jesus. They cry out that he's a ghost. You see, they don't, they don't really understand and see that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, the chosen one. At the beginning of the story, at the beginning of the story, they're afraid of him, he's a ghost. But something shifts when Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. To which Jesus says, yes, it's me, come. And Peter steps out of the boat and onto the water. Now there are rich spiritual lessons contained in this story. The, the more anxious we become about the problems around us, the bigger they become, the more power we give our problems until they kind of overwhelm us. We should keep our eyes fixed on Jesus when we're in the storm because he's really the source of our strength and our courage and our faith. He's the one that gets us through the more we look to Jesus, the bigger he becomes and the smaller the waves around us become. They seem a little less menacing when we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we put our faith in him. That stuff will preach for days and days, but I wanna make a few other observations about the story. I can't help but notice Peter is the only one who gets out of the boat. He's the only one with the courage to actually get out of the boat and start going to Jesus, to set foot on water. He's often criticized because he takes his eyes off Jesus and he begins to sink and Jesus gives him his little rebuke. You know, you have little faith. What's wrong with you? Keep your eyes on me. And sometimes that's what we focus on. But Peter got out of the boat. I can imagine the story like the next day around the campfire with the disciples. Like, whoa, Peter, you got out of the boat? What were you thinking, man? That was so cool. He's like, yeah, I don't know. I walked on water. Peter takes this small step of faith that changes the course of his life. One of our favorite places to go uh, to visit as a family, as a couple, is Tofino. And on our very first visit to Tofino, we booked a day trip to Hot Springs National Park, Hot Springs Cove, which is only accessible by boat and seaplane. Um, I was pastoring, couldn't afford the seaplane, so we booked the boat, booked the ferry. We reserved a couple seats on the ferry. We showed up at the wharf only to find out that the word ferry is kind of a loose term. I don't think that word means what you think it means because it wasn't a ferry, it was like a little boat. And by the time we put 20 people in it and it sunk down in the water, it seemed even smaller. And so it was an hour and a half boat ride to Hot Springs Cove. And we set out on this, towards this eco-tourism paradise. And I was doing the math. It's an hour and a half there, it's an hour and a half back. Somebody is gonna start singing Gilligan's Island 
in this three-hour tour. And sure enough, about halfway into the trip, the motor made a noise. And we all turned and looked at it. And it let out a puff of smoke. And it stopped. And there we were. As far from where we'd started to where we had to go. In the middle of nowhere, on the ocean, and you could feel the anxiety of everyone go up and up and up with each passing wave. Now, this is my first time on a little boat in an ocean tidal zone. And when those waves all come in, like they go way up and way down. They're not like the lake waves we have here. You know when you get white caps and it's like every three feet, there's another wave coming and they just kind of keep coming in, coming in and they're definitely and they're marked. And, they're, and these waves are like, massive swells of water that go up. And when you're up on it, you can see everything. You don't notice it when you're in the boat. Somehow when you're driving in the boat, you just don't notice them. But then when you're stopped and you're just floating, all of a sudden you notice them. Because when you go down into that trough, into the valley of that swell, all you can see is water. Like 20, 30 feet up, this big rolling thing of water. And we're in the boat and we're gripping and we're holding on. And I start thinking, like everybody, will they send a helicopter? Who's the first to get into the rope ladder? Do they send another boat? Like, I ain't hopping from this boat into another boat. How is that going to work? Like, that's, do you have to put on the suit and get into the thing and the life? Like, I'm not going to do that. And we just held on. And I'm sure the very last thing that the disciples wanted to do was get out of their boat in a raging storm. When the waves are huge and all you see is a wall of water with a crack of lightning in the sky, getting out of the boat meant letting go of everything that gave them the remotest feeling of safety and security. They were holding on to the oh crap grip bars for their dear life. Peter was an experienced fisherman and he had most likely been in storms like that. Probably he knew people that have been lost at sea, swept overboard and never seen again in storms like that. Getting out of the boat for Peter was not the logical thing to do. Except for one reason. Jesus said, don't be afraid, take courage. I'm here, come to me. Peter takes a step of faith and has an experience with Jesus that would stay with him the rest of his life. He could always look back on that moment. Whenever he was facing his persecution, his trials, he could always look back on that moment and know that he walked on water with Jesus, that Jesus was with him. Courageous risk is intrinsic to the kingdom of God because it allows Jesus to do what only Jesus can do. Having faith, taking some steps of risk opens the door for God to do what only God can do in our life. Church, we serve a God who shows up next to us as the fourth man in the fire. And it's only by finding Jesus in those moments 
It's only by like going through the fire, by going through those times that we really do discover him. One of life's sweetest experiences is discovering God is with us in the midst of a storm. There's no substitute for discovering God's presence when we take a step of faith. The loneliest night I spent in my life was when I was 19 years old in Calgary. I decided to step into bigger horizons and switched schools my sophomore year of college. I did my first year of Bible college in Saskatoon, where I lived at home. My mom cooked for me, did my laundry. My dad helped with expenses when they came up. I was surrounded by the comforts of home, going to college. It was great. Loved it. But like so many restless 19-year-olds, I decided it was time to spread my wings and get out on my own. Now, I had landed a, a summer job at SaskTel, made some great money. Um, no offense to anybody who's ever worked those union jobs, if that's, if that's you, you know. That was the easiest, cushiest job. That, like, I made so much money that summer. I probably was pastoring for 15 years before I made that. In fact, I probably should never have quit that job. Uh, but, you know. That's just the post-sabbatical trauma of your pastor talking. It's okay, I like ministry and it's good. But we'd be like, you just get set up and then you have to go on a coffee break. And then you'd work a little bit more and then it was lunch break. And then you had to get like a little bit of time in because then it was coffee break again. It was like we were on coffee break all summer long making money. It was great. And I had this pocket full of money and I thought, you know what? I'm going to go to school. I'm going to register for Bible college in Abbotsford. I'm going to spread my wings. And with only a few days before the semester started, that's what I did. And the day I left home, my mom and dad walked down the driveway with me and we hugged and we said our goodbyes and cried together. And I got in the car and as I was getting in the car, my dad did the classic dad move, okay? Only, the only way the dads can do. Here you go, son. A $50 bill. Wow. You don't see those very often uh, back in the day. $50 bill. Here he goes, here you go, son. Use this for a hotel in Calgary. It's going to be late when you get in. And I said, thanks, dad. And we said our goodbyes. And I got in the car. And off I went. No credit card, no cell phone, a $50 bill, and a road map on both sides marked with one line where I had to go. And off I went into my adventure. I got into Calgary late, about 10 o'clock, and uh, stopped at a cheap, run-down motel on the far edge of town, and my room was $39. So I had some money left over. And... Um, I went to McDonald's, got some food, brought it back, checked it, got into the hotel. I thought, there's going to be a chalk outline of a body on the floor in my hotel room. It was that kind of a place. It's everything you would picture. And I got in, and it was a double adjoining room. So they had double doors that would open into the next room, and both of them were broken off the hinges, and it was just opened. And luckily, there was nobody else checked into that room, but it was like, it just made everything feel bigger. And I remember I sat down in this huge hotel room and I began to eat my McChicken. 
and they had no sauce on it. Like, who does that? And I just remember, like, I felt so sorry for myself in that moment. In this giant hotel room, in this big city, all alone, far from home, eating my dry McChicken. And it was this sense that what was I doing? What the heck was I doing? I was all alone and it washed over me like a tidal wave. Self-doubt and fear, separation. I was far from home and I was about to head off to somewhere I'd never been before. And the internal dialogue of my heart was racing. I didn't have to go to this new school. I could go back home. I could save the money. I could be with the people I know and people I love and my mom's cooking and that sure would be easier. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that going back home to Saskatoon was the logical decision. It was comfortable and safe and it just made more sense. I was at a tipping point. And I spent a sleepless night staring at a water-stained ceiling in a hotel room, wondering what I was about to do. Was it right? What should I do? And the next morning, I got into the car, and as I started to head out, and I was right at the edge of the parking lot to head out, I paused, and I gripped the steering wheel, and I just sat there. And I realized that if I turn left... That's back to Saskatoon. That's back to comfort and easy and home and everything that I know. But if I turn right, I'm headed off to somewhere I'd never been before, where I didn't know people, where there was no guarantees and it was an unknown, uncertain future. And no one was pressuring me and there was no logical reason to turn right, except for one thing. I felt the Lord stir in my heart that it was right, that it's where he was leading me. It's where he wanted me to go. You see, as a 19-year-old kid from Saskatchewan with pretty awesome hockey hair, mullet, curls, sitting in his car, I didn't know at the time. Looking back now, I understand that Jesus was there saying, don't be afraid, take courage, I'm here, come to me. And so I turned right and I stepped into my great adventure being the furthest away from home that I'd ever been before on my own. I put on some worship music and I pulled out of Calgary. And by the time I hit the Rocky Mountains outside of Banff and I went through the foothills and I went into the mountains, it was like the majesty and the, the most, it was like I was a kid from Saskatchewan driving through the Rocky Mountains and it was like, wow, God is big. Look what he did. 
Look how amazing this is. And as I'm listening to worship music and going down the highway, I could feel the presence of God flood my life, flood my car. And I was driving in the mountains and, and it was like the bigger I understood who God was, the more the fear and the uncertainty of driving into the unknown subsided. And it began to turn into an element of adventure and wonder what God was gonna do in amazement. I ended up having a great year at college that year. I arranged for an internship at a church in Kamloops that summer and I ended up getting hired back at that church as my first pastoring job uh, a few years later when I'd finished school. And so much of what I am today goes back to that time. My world expanded. I matured and learned things about myself that I never would have discovered had I turned left and stayed in my comfort zone. So much of who I am today goes back to that time I was a 19-year-old kid who decided to take a risk and turned right instead of left. And that has repeated itself in my life so many times. In fact, I know in my own life, I've never accomplished something significant by choosing to stay in my comfort zone. The most meaningful experiences and most significant accomplishments in life come by taking steps of faith, courage, and risk. You can define it however you want. It's an accomplishment, it's success, it's achieving something. It can be in your personal life, it can be in your business life. The most significant, meaningful things come with elements of risk, being vulnerable, taking a chance, leaning into the unknown, putting yourself out there, going for it. Because those are the steps of going into Jesus to let Jesus do what only he can do. I'm gonna ask the band to come as we get ready to close today. They're gonna lead us in a song as we kind of wrap up. But if you haven't guessed by now, the goal of my sermon is to encourage you to get out of your comfort zone and to take a risk into something this year, 2023. But I also wanna remind you that faith is not a guarantee that you'll always find rainbows and butterflies and unicorns. And this is so important because when I reflect back on my first year away from home, I remember it being hard and challenging. I remember being lonely. I remember going through some struggles. And in many respects, it was a very hard year. But looking back, I know that it was still the right thing for me to do. And sometimes I think we look at faith and steps of faith as that's where God's gonna do his thing and work his magic and fix everything and make everything easy and put everything in place and it's gonna just go so like, you know, amazing. And so we take the step of faith and maybe it doesn't always work out like that. Can I just encourage you with something today? The evidence of the Lord working in your life should not be measured by your level of comfort. It should be measured by your level of growth. 
I'm going to say that again because it is so good. The evidence of the Lord leading you in your life should not be measured by the comfort you get, but by the growth that happens in your life. That's the Lord leading us into new ground, into new territory, into new things. That's what comes by taking a step of faith. The capacity of our life is stretched. We learn more. It's about being faithful in the little things so that we can be entrusted with the big things. It's about growing as people of faith, becoming more present with Jesus, hearing his voice, knowing him, it's about the capacity, the influence, the measure of our life growing and expanding. I've discovered following Jesus in steps of faith doesn't guarantee everything falls into place and things get easier. We might actually end up in a more challenging path, but it might just be for a while. But the truth is that challenging path is how we discover that Jesus is with us. What has the Lord been stirring in you? What steps of faith can you take this year? Some of you, maybe church is a little bit new to you. Maybe you're just kind of feeling this out and you're a little curious and you're wondering what this talk is of Jesus and faith and you're kind of beginning to make sense of that. Maybe for you, that step of faith is a first step of faith to say, Jesus, I believe in you. I, I want to have a faith, a relationship with you. You can do that today. You could get a Bible. We'd be happy to pray with you. Maybe we could visit with you at the info booth or at, at, the, at the front at the end of the morning. Maybe that's where it starts for you. What steps of faith can you take this year? How is your comfort zone holding you back? When is the last time you had an adventure with God? And I think maybe if anything this morning, it's that question, what has fear been holding you back from? You know, fear does not come from God. Fear is a tool from the enemy. When we begin to worry and obsess and stress, and we begin to feel anxious and anxiety rises in us over something, we need to pray that the Lord's presence and calmness and strength and clarity of mind and clarity of spirit would come upon that area of our life. Because it gets ugly really fast when all we do is start looking at those waves. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Fear is so powerful because it takes our eyes off Jesus. That's why fear is a tool of the enemy because fear gets us to look at all the problems and all the things and look at the enemy and look at all the stuff instead of to Jesus. What has fear been holding you back from? When is the last time Jesus stood before you and said, don't be afraid. 
take courage. It is I, I am here. Come to me. I wondered how we should close the service today and I didn't want to do a, a drawn out prayer, but I do want to pray over you and we're going to sing together because I think this song has some pictures and some words and a prophetic element to it, which I think just puts so much of the emotion and the context of this scripture into our heart and into our soul. But as we prepare to worship, I'm going to ask you to stand. If you're able to stand today, why don't you stand? And I want to pray over you, pray over your life that God would give you the courage to step out of the boat, go to Jesus. Lord, whatever those things are that you're stirring in us, and maybe some, they're just, they've been stagnant for a long time and they haven't even felt something stirring. I pray that you would just stir that up. Lord, what is bigger for us? What's bigger for my life? What can you lead me in? What do I need to grow in? What have I been afraid of? What have I been holding back on? What have I been afraid to let go of so that I can step out into something you're leading me in? In this year ahead, what small steps of risk and courage and faith can I take? towards you into something new, something bigger. I pray that you would give us discernment and that you would give us courage. And for those that have been gripped by areas of fear and anxiety over areas of their life, their heart, their emotions, Jesus, we pray that you would break through and that you would restore our lives with your presence that only we know and find by taking a step of faith. And as we worship, I pray that this would, this would be a prayer, a prophetic whisper over our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together.